0: walking through, really, we launched into this idea of pursuit because we would like to explore or challenge, encourage us to consider the the different things we are chasing in our lives. And so we launched into this idea of we we must discover a promise worth our pursuit. There is a promise to pursue. Every single one of us has been endowed with something of a longing that we, we, we long to see happen. And the closer we get to that place, And the closer we we get to the place of of owning the dream, of owning something of a desire, we can call it a goal, we can call it a resolution, we can call it an aspiration, whatever name we want to put to it, every single one of us has a pursuit. In fact, life as a whole is many pursuits linked up together. And the new year gives us an opportunity to clarify or maybe to reestablish, to recommit to some core dreams that we long for. And if we're in that place, if we're in the place where we're edging towards what we sense God is asking us to pursue, or we sense something inside of us that is meant to engage our energy and our capacities, well, we will come to this place where we will discover that what is most needed sometimes its not ability, it's not knowledge. Those are necessary. But it is courage. Because any pursuit worth our engagement will always call us to a place of courage. And courage, courage inherently means there are fears. It inherently means that there are things that we are afraid of. And what I would like us to settle into these remaining moments we have here together this early afternoon is that God longs to meet us in our fear. That if any of us have tasted or acknowledged or recognized the fears within us, we also are recognizing the sacred ground in which God longs to step into our lives, meet us right there, and lead us through them. But it requires something of us. It requires us to own our fear. And it requires us to invite God into our fear. Oh, and that's so challenging. Challenging. It's so challenging because, you know, a lot of times a pursuit, a pursuit that we long for, it has a dynamic to it. It is something both that we long for and it is something that we are afraid of pursuing. If we are honest about the dreams within us, they are dreams we long for and they are dreams that terrify us. Because, you know Why? This is universal. It's a universal human condition because I think in many ways good desires and dreams, you know what they do? They pull us toward the noble, the virtuous, the beautiful. They put us towards the endeavors that make heroes of us. They elevate us toward the highest of human expressions. And if that's the truth, if they pull us up to the highest level of what it is to be human, well, they also expose us to very deep and real fears. They really do. It, it, it has a, a, an ability to open us up to what fear longs to whisper inside of us. It speaks of pain and shame. It speaks of vulnerability, loneliness, of rejection, isolation, the possibility of being humiliated, of embarrassed, missing the mark of letting others down, letting ourselves down, maybe even fearing becoming a letdown. And many times we, I, we insulate ourselves. We, some of us, resolutions aren't that popular. Not because they don't exist within us. Because we fear. We fear whether or not they're actually even possible. And if God is in the midst of that, and the good news is he longs to meet us there. But when those fears pop up, when we have something we want to pursue and the fears start coming, you know what happens? One of three things occur. One of them is that we choose to either numb it, deny it, or own it. And only when we own it do we have then the ability to step through it. But this, the, to numb it and to deny it, well, there's no courage needed. But to own it, And to step through it, that is the definition of courage. It's courage. Courage is the ability to be strong in the face of fear, pain, or grief. By definition, that's what it is. This is why we are so inspired by the stories we see and we read and we watch. It is not lacking in fear. It is the ability to remain through And to step into it, to walk through it. And that, in many ways, is where faith plays such a lucrative role. God longs to meet us there. God longs to lead us through them. He longs to do something that is altogether beautiful. Ah, In my case, well, I have many fears I can speak of. But one of them that sticks out in my mind has to do with the academic arena. See, my journey is very intimately intertwined with failure and pain. My story, in many ways, is connected to it. The journey of my, f- my faith began on the ashes of failure and pain. And it would be in academics where I've experienced this the most. Um, I-, I was never strong academically. See, I-, I had strengths. They were more of the social kind. <laughs> and-, and though I was not extraordinary at athletics, they definitely were easier for me. You know, we, we may remember uh, classmates that we had along the way who it just seemed like they didn't try. In fact, they tried not to try. And they would yet finish at the top ranking of the class. And some of us, we, we can remember, we know their names in, in our minds. We are imagining them right now. We must forgive them. <laughs> and some of us are those people. And, it, it, and if that's the case, God bless you. Indeed, he has blessed you. Obviously, I didn't get that blessing. I was not not given that inheritance of a gift. I remember from the earliest moments of my academic career stepping into an environment in which the language was very different than the language I learned at home. Having learned Spanish as the primary way of communication and occasionally a, a, a version called Spanglish stepping into an environment in which all of a sudden I need to learn something brand new. I remember sitting in a room that was separated from everyone else in which somebody, an adult, was trying to educate me on this language. Having such a challenging time understanding it and yet feeling embarrassed that I was needing to learn it. I remember sitting in class being taught something over and over and over and not getting it. Going to the library testing the patience of my tutors who sought to be creative in how they taught and letting them down. I remember reading words in a book in black and white letters and seeing these words in a book and finding almost anything outside of that book far more fascinating (laughs) than what was inside the book. I remember having the challenging time of stringing words together in an understandable manner. And though anywhere else I would be myself in an academic setting to stand up before a group of people and to have to communicate, I remember it causing me to feel so nervous, shy, unsure, soft-spoken. And I remember... As if it was yesterday, being 17 years old, being called into my school advisor's office and being told in very real words and terms, it was impossible for me to graduate high school. I remember receiving my transcripts after the whole ordeal was said and done, in which I was ranked 446th in my class, which may or may not be good, except there were 336 students in my class. (laughs) How do you do that? I excelled at failing. And I, I remember that became the place in which my journey of faith began. That place, that place opened me up to life. But if it opened me up to life, it also wrote something on my soul. I, I remember it was as if somebody took a permanent marker and on the whiteboard of my heart wrote words. I remember those words. I could feel those words. It spoke of shame. They spoke of failure. It spoke of being incapable. I can feel it even now.) And it wasn't a conscious decision to grab these and own them for myself, but I remember this being a part of my journey. And even though I had gone through undergraduate and had completed my undergraduate degree, it was about 15 years after that moment in which I was given the opportunity to sign up and enroll into a graduate program, that I had gone through the process and been accepted and was excited and driving towards the course, the first course, I would remember stepping into the classroom and sitting down and all of a sudden, what I was excited about, this dream of pursuing, This opportunity before me became something that became very, very much terrifying. Ah, There were moments where I felt positive. Ah, I remember sitting there, and for this time, the professor spoke, and I understood. I thought, progress. (laughs) I remember reading the books and enjoying it, understanding them. In fact, I found what was in the book more fascinating than what was outside of the book. Progress. But I can tell you that the first assignment, when it was required of me and I needed to put words into writing and I needed to submit it to be evaluated and to be returned with something of a, of a grade on it. Oh. oh, It was as if every word that I wrote echoed something within the chamber of my being. Remember, Lewis. Remember the shame. Remember the failure. Remember You're not capable. I remember writing, deleting, rewriting, deleting. I remember my poor wife looking at her, will you please help me? Will you please rewrite this entire paper? Make it acceptable. I remember going through these moments where I would seek to numb that fear. I certainly sought to deny it. But I can tell you, it was only when I owned it and I invited God into the very pit of it that I was able to move through it. I can tell you that it was in that place that I discovered, for me, for right now, that's what courage looks like. Ah, some of us, especially in a city, a world-class city such as ours. I mean, academic courage is not our issue. It was one of mine. Some of us, we're here. We're not even sure God exists. But we're here. And our fear, you know, it's not so much that whether or not God exists, it's that if he does exist, God is set against us. Oh, that is our fear. Others of us, We fear that we're destined for destruction because that is the story our life has told. That is the narrative we have inherited. Others of us, we fear committing because we see so many other things we're going to miss out on. Some of us, we fear that our weaknesses will get the best of us or that the brokenness in our past will become the brokenness of our future. (laughs) Fears are real. They are real. It's no, no... way around it, a pursuit that is worth our energy. It will be a pursuit that will challenge us to face them, to step into them, to step through them. And that's why I think it's so good for us to know and understand that God longs to meet us right there in that sacred ground And to lead us through them. See, this is, this is the beautiful story God has been writing throughout generation after generation. And even though the words in these ancient documents that we read are ancient, and they are of people that no longer exist, they are words meant to highlight not the people that no longer exist, but the God who interacted with the people who no longer exists. Because the, the way that God interacted with those people is the way he longs to interact with us. And the way he moved in their lives is the way he longs to move in our lives. He longs for us to have a courageous pursuit. I think one of these incidents is actually pretty clearly defined in this passage we can walk through together. It's in, if you open up your handouts, it's in Joshua 1 6 through 9 we'll just jump into it together. We're told in verse 6, be strong and courageous. And this is a conversation between God and Joshua. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. We may not be aware, but this is on the backside of an amazing promise God has given to Joshua. And what he is saying to him is, it is time for you, Joshua. The promise is there that has ignited your soul. And I know you're afraid, but you must be strong and you must be courageous because this endeavor, this pursuit, it involves you, but it is not only about you. Listen, you shall shall cause your people to inherit this land. Your pursuit will bless many people if you step out of your fear and into courage. Listen, only be strong and very courageous. Once again, it comes up being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And we have read this. We, some of us may be very familiar with these words, and we would, if we were to literally interpret them, would falsely conclude that the secret to success is perfect behavior. Because that's what it seems God is saying to Joshua. Listen, you will succeed when when you keep this completely and you step forward without deviating to the right or to the left. See, if you do that, Joshua, everything is yours. Some of us, we think, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so I'm trying. I'm trying to measure up. Others of us, We think, that's devastating. I can never measure up. What's actually happening in this passage is that God is choosing to create an emphasis. It's almost as if it's an accent on what it looks like to build a successful life. And it's not literally about every dot and tittle. But it's almost as if God is saying to Joshua, Listen, I want you to know my word. You know the words fear speak. Choose to hear my word. You know the power of fear speaks into your soul. Choose to experience the power my word wants to speak into your soul. Know it. Let it know you. Seep your soul into it, marinate it, let it, let it impact the way you think. The way you, 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 your attitudes come out, your affections and your desires let impact your words, indeed, even your actions. Do that, Joshua, and you, you will experience success. Not success, by the way, the way we define it, which is we get what we want, how we want it, when we want it. Now, Jesus said success is kind of like um, when somebody chooses to build their house on a rock. They hear my words. And they choose to live by them and allow my words to overpower whatever fears, whatever insecurities are within them. And they build their life on my words. And it's like they they hit bedrock and they build their house. And he says, the storms will come. They will come. The storms will come. The winds will howl. The floods will rise. But that house will remain standing. Jesus did not say. Success with God meant no turmoil, no pain, no persecution, no degree of failure. He didn't say that. It's almost as if what he was saying was, listen, you can have a house that's built on rock and a house that's built on sand right next to each other. Both are exposed to the elements. Both experience real life. What is the difference then? One is resilient. And a successful life is one that is able to endure. One that is able to experience the very bitter pill of pain, rejection, failure, and isolation. And all that this life has. And not be destroyed. But be repaired. And become whole. It's a life defined by wisdom. That's success. It's a soul that is able to sense and awake, be awakened by the sweetness of God's tenderness and love, maybe especially in the toughest points of life. That's success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The phrase, be strong, courageous, repeated three times, three times He needed to hear it. And we might think, why would he say it three times? Why? Because Joshua was not strong and courageous in this moment. If anything, he would be filled with deep fear. Why? He was being asked to take a people who had been accustomed to captivity and lead them toward independence and freedom. He was being asked to take a group of people made up of shepherds and step into an arena with a trained military that had far greater resources than they. And he was being asked to step out of following the greatest leader Israel knew, Moses, and to step into his shoes and become the leader Israel needed, Joshua. One of those would be overwhelming. All three at the same time is exactly where Joshua was at. Be strong and very courageous is the exact word he needed to hear. Because the pursuit, as worthy as it was, it elevated his fears. And we know this. We know that he was afraid. But he did not allow his fear to overcome the invitation God had for him. No, we know this. Why? Because 30 years later, he would be given one of the greatest honors his own people can give him. We're told in Joshua 24, at the end of his life, after these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. Long, healthy life. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath-Serah, that is, land he conquered, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. Israel, look at this, served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. Why would this be the greatest compliment given? Because what the author is saying is that Joshua's life, from the moment God stepped into it and challenged him to pursue It ended up being altered, where it was no longer about Joshua. But the impact of his life impacted his family, his tribe, indeed his nation. And every step of victory he took was a victory that his people took. Because he was connected. Forever celebrated. As the one by whom God was able to fulfill a promise. Unlike any other. This account is certainly worth investigating for its own right, but it also gives us something of a template, I believe. It models something for us. It gives us footprints to step into. And one of the things Joshua shows us, and this account shows us, is that the pursuit of courage, which any pursuit worth engaging with will require courage. You know what? (laughs) We will discover that it is birthed in a heart aligned with God's promises. It is there that it is given birth. That is where it rises up, in a heart that is aligned with what God longs to do in this world. That any person who says, I'm going to line up with what you want to do, God, and I'm going to do the best. I'm going to invite you into my life. I'm going to invite you into my fears. You know what starts to arise? Something that maybe we have never experienced before, maybe even generations prior to us have never experienced or exhibited or modeled. is a degree of courage. It is there. Uh, Solomon said, listen, the wicked, they flee when no one pursues. The wicked is just being opposed to God's purposes. But the righteous, those who are aligned with his purposes. It's almost as if Solomon is surprised. Take any person from any background, any place, line them up with what God's doing. They become bold like a lion. Courage becomes their defining factor. Now, if alignment is where it's birth it would assumes a couple things, and I think it's good for us to consider in the opening weeks of our year that it assumes daily exposure to his word. It really does, and I would just want to encourage all of us to consider. and Perhaps it would be a verse a day because we find ourselves far too busy for anything more. But if we expose ourselves to his word, you know what happens is we start giving him access, not for fear to be the loudest voice, but for courage to be the strongest impact. Because his word is filled with many points. When He says, I will step into those and I will guide you through them. To be able to nourish ourselves, to be able to receive a daily sense of his promise over our lives, to be able to connect with the overarching story he longs to write. To become increasingly familiar with who he is. To be reminded of his goodness. It is to indeed know what the bedrock looks like. Uh, to do that, it assumes the alignment, assumes daily exposure to His Word. You know what it also assumes? It assumes a growing relationship with God. And I say growing because many times in our lives we might think that there's only one step, and that is to step into relationship with Him. But like any other relationship, it requires intention and it requires devotion and it requires a, a sense of affection and of a sense of priority. It, it does. In our case, listen, a relationship with God is possible because of what Jesus did through his life, his death, and his resurrection. It's because of that that we are able to, listen, receive new life breathed into our souls, experience an unlocking that happens and a strengthening that occurs. It is in relationship. It is in relationship with God. Not in behaving, but in relationship with God that turmoil turns into shelter. Because it is in our turmoil we discover him who says, I am your shelter. It is in relationship with God where fear turns into courage, shame turns into grace and acceptance. It's in relationship where pain turns into comfort and challenges become the groundwork before strong character is built up within us. It's relationship. and Maybe this is why the most famous story Jesus ever told involved a son and a father. The story spoke of a son who abandoned his father and decided to indulge in all the lowest of desires. And after indulging in them for a period of time, he shipwrecked his life and he was filled with pain. And it was not, how can I behave myself back in? It was not, how can I measure up to be back in? It was, how can I reconnect with the father I left? And he courageously, one step at a time, went forward. And Jesus says that the father was always longing for him. And he ran out when he saw his son coming. And he did not lay at his feet all his failures and all his disappointments and all his pains and all the way he was let down. But he ended up embracing him. And only the way Jesus said, in the same way God the father longs to embrace every single one of us, that embrace, <laughs> that embrace clothed that son anew. He came clothed with turmoil, fear, shame, guilt, pain, and challenge. He discovers shelter, courage, grace, acceptance. He discovered forgiveness and comfort in the beginning of his character being restored. See, it, alignment, it assumes a growing relationship with God, a healing relationship with God. It also assumes ownership over our interior life. No one else can do this for us, but it assumes that we are challenging, perhaps even spotlighting our attitudes, thoughts, affections, desires, our words, our motivations, because a heart that is tended to and that is cleaned and that is nourished is a heart that grows courage. And courage. Courage will always call us. It will call us to create a better future. It is why courage is needed. In Joshua's case, he was a man born in captivity. He was called to create a future that was better. He was born in captivity. He died a free man. He he was born in slavery. He died in true security and independence. Do you see it? This is the story. God longs to write in every single one of our lives. It it was a way in which we could say it this way. His, His past spoke of brokenness for generation after generation after generation. His future, well, his future spoke of freedom, abundance of life, dignity, and confidence. And what we have to understand is it doesn't matter where we come from. When we partner with God, it will always be possible to create a better future. Rick Warren said it this way He said, You are, you, we are the product of our past, but it, we need not be its prisoner. We can change. And if we think and we sense something within us saying, Yes, Maybe others can change, but not you. Well, we must understand there is no greater lie. If God is involved, every breath we take is a possibility. Every moment we're alive is a possibility to alter the course of our lives. And the story our past tells does not need to be the story our future tells. It does not need to be. If God is involved, this is the beautiful promise. This is the act of God intersecting with real people. Because when we step into our fears, we automatically start to rewrite them and one fear overcome becomes two and three and four. And before you know it, the future we thought we were going to inherit is altogether different than the future we have created. Because God longs for us. He longs for us to be able to say, you know what, my life, Yes, it was met with failure. Yes, it has shame. Yes, it has points of weakness and things that I'd rather not be, anyone would know. But you know what courage does? When courage takes a hold of our soul, it writes a story we're celebrating. It writes a story that by the end of our time here on earth, which we never know when that is, it becomes a story in which, if we could think of it this way, the land we conquer in our lives will be the land others inherit. And future generations will get to start where we finished and every single one of our decisions, every single area that we chose to conquer within our own soul, within our own lives, every advancement that we made, which by the way is one fueled by courage, not fueled by anger or vengeance or a chip on our shoulder, but fueled by love and a desire to see something that is hope filled and faith filled and beautiful to occur. When we step into our future in that way and we start to move forward with God, you know what happens? Some of us, we start to recognize that there is something of a legacy that he longs to write within our story, because there is no story in, in human history, there is no story without pain, without failure, without complete disappointment. There is no story is absent of that. But you know what? The ones that we admire, the ones that we celebrate, the ones we applaud, are the ones that are filled with courage. And what do they say? They say, they say somebody's Stood back up. They say that somebody tried again. They say that somebody forgave again, loved again, risked again, pursued again, remained resilient, tenacious, continuing to move forward. And there's something within their soul that was just never snuffed out because the God who breathed life into their lungs did not allow them to let their fears get the best of them and to keep them. In the future, worth celebrating. 2018. 2018 is a year. I think God wants to write something in our story. Now, I wonder, if courage had its way in our lives, what would it write? What would it look like? If we were convinced of our pursuit and God was invited into it and courage had its way, some of us, our story would become a story of commitment, faithfulness, of a job well done, investing ourselves in others. Others of us would say, you know what? 2018 is the year I will courageously invest myself in the key relationships. 2018 is the year I will overcome. 2018 is the year um, I will forgive. 2018 is the year I will heal. I will be restored. Uh, It's the year, and courage says, I will be patient and steadfast. I will um, prioritize what needs to be prioritized. It's that year. And at the end, we will be able to taste and see, not just on words of an ancient document but on the tablets of our heart when courage has its way oh it writes something beautiful it writes something worth celebrating may that be our year may that be our reality individually and together In a moment, we're going to receive our time of giving. And we're going to close in the final song. But Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, God. That you are the one. You are the one who loves to step into the darker places of our soul. Not with shame or condemnation. But with life and love. And I thank you, God, that none of our fears cause you to flee, cause you to abandon or forsake. Your promises that you will never leave nor forsake us, that you will remain with us. I pray you give us the ability to pursue this life, to do it in such a way that it calls the best out of us. And it gives us the ability to own our fears, to invite you into them to step through them. You would have your way in our lives. Give us the capacity to engage the courageous pursuit. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.